and off his box, a box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. Good evening and Happy New Year. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Hi, it's Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture. And who can be bigger in culture than Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley, tomorrow is the 75th anniversary of his birthday. What am I kidding? It's his 75th birthday. He's still alive. Now, you know, we've all heard the story of Elvis appearing in a Burger King in Kalamazoo in, what was it, 1984, I think it was. And people are saying, oh, he lives in Kalamazoo. Don't be ridiculous, people. He lives in Battle Creek. But... Enough of that. We're going to go right now to probably Elvis's best song about dairy products. We've covered many of his songs about seafood. We've played Do the Clam and Clam Bake, both of Elvis's quintessential clam songs. We've played Crawfish, but we haven't played this one in a while, okay? So this is about cow milk, or maybe it's about a milk cow. Well, here's the thing. One way or the other, we're going to play this song, we're going to groove to it, and then we're going to break it up into discussion groups, okay? Take it, Elvis. Oh, well, I woke up this morning And I looked out the door I can tell that old milk cow By the way she loves Holy fella, that don't move me Let's get real, real gone for a change Well, I woke up this morning And I looked out the door I can tell that old milk cow I can tell the way she loves Now if you Presley tomorrow turns 75 years old. He's living now in Battle Creek. 
This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and that was the Milk Cow Blues Boogie. Again, one of Elvis Presley's greatest songs about dairy products. And January 8th is an auspicious day for folks because Elvis Presley was born on January 8th. Soupy Sales was also born on January 8th, so that is definitely something worth mentioning. And actually some other January 8th folks will bring up in just a moment when I find that piece of paper. But in the meantime, when I think Elvis Presley, sometimes it makes me think of the North Side Grill on Broadway Street because... Once a year, they have a special Elvis Sunday. Now, it's not anytime soon. It's going to be in one of the warmer months. Well, what could be warmer than one of these months? But nonetheless, they have an Elvis Sunday, and that Sunday, their menu rotates. And I remember one year, because Elvis did the famous movie Blue Hawaii, which got rave reviews, I believe, there were pineapple-themed foods and Hawaiian-themed foods on the menu at the Northside Grill that particular Elvis Sunday. There was a there was a delicious pineapple pancake. They had a delicious coffee from Hawaii. So wonderful stuff. But Northside Grill has the usual wonderful stuff, I'm sure, this weekend and sometime this year, Elvis stuff. Speaking of breakfast, though, and this weekend, I have it on good word that uh, Jefferson Market, Jefferson Market on Jefferson Street in Ann Arbor, on Sunday, their brunch is going to feature a Guinness pancake. Mmm, a Guinness pancake, with a savory pancake with bacon in it. That's the word I got from folks at Jefferson Market, as a matter of fact. And Pilar's has reopened. We did a show on Pilar's recently, Pilar's Tamales. And speaking again of breakfast, Pilar's on West Liberty debuts their breakfast on Monday. And some of the items are going to include scrambled eggs with chorizo and eggs and ranchero sauce. And the peasant breakfast, which features refried beans and plantains, corn, tortillas, and a little bit of sour cream, if I understand correctly. Perhaps I can find out from Sylvia herself at Pilar's exactly if that's correct, but I believe that is the case. So this is your breakfast and pancake update from Pandora's Lunchbox. And while we're talking about comfort food, we should probably get up and sing about it. Which is very good. Or if you wish a dish that's Chinese, somewhere down in column B, there's lobster Cantonese. Enchiladas, that's what people eat in Mexico. Shish kebab is skewered in Armenia, you know. Then there's blubber, the favorite of the frigid Eskimo. Such delicious dishes, no matter where you go. Chicken cacciatore is Italian. Kangaroo souffle must be Australian. Mutton chops are definitely British. Chicken soup undoubtedly is Yiddish. Palm Comes from Lithuania. Hansen Comes from Pennsylvania. Wiener schnitzel's Austrian or German. Kindly pass the sauerbrot and Herman. Borscht is what they're eating in the Soviet. Wait, I think we've got some on the stove yet. <laughs> See the mau mouse underneath the jungle sky. Jolly mau mouse. 
eating missionary pie. Frenchmen eat a lot of bouillabaisse there. Dutchmen eat a sauce called hollandaise there. Smorgasbord in Sweden is the winner. In America, it's TV dinner. <laughs> so there you have one food from each land. Each one delicious, each one simply grand. Mix them all up. In one big mishmash, and what have you got? Hungarian goulash. Hey! Oh yeah, that is Hungarian goulash number five. That's the traditional folk tune, as performed by Alan Sherman, and that is comfort food for your ears. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And we've heard Elvis Presley, we've heard Alan Sherman, and it's all exciting because it's a new year and there's so much to talk about. Do you know that one of the shortest-lived restaurants, food places in Ann Arbor history is about to be immortalized in film? Yes. Now, do you remember that butcher shop that used to be on the corner of Liberty and Ashley Street called Two Frank Sausages? Two Frank Sausages. And remember in the summer of 2008 when a vintage Lincoln careened down a hill and crashed into it and blew up? Remember that? That was fun, wasn't it? Well, supposedly it was supposed to be a set for a movie called Youth in Revolt. Okay, it actually was a set for a movie called Youth in Revolt. Yeah, so the movie is actually coming out tomorrow, finally. Youth in Revolt stars Michael Sarah as Nick Twisp. That's T-W-I-S-P, and it's hard to say. Other actors in the film include Fred Willard and Ray Liotta. The original Youth in Revolt, The Journals of Nick Twisp, came out in 1993 as a journal-type novel by C.D. Payne. And Nick Twisp, according to Wikipedia here, was the 14-year-old protagonist. The novel is told through his journal entries. Nick is a cynical and sex-obsessed teenager who pines for Sheenie Saunders. Some of the other characters include Francois Dillinger, who is actually an alter ego of Nick's, his French bad side. Nick receives the name Francois from Sheenie, who predicts her future French husband's name. Whatever that means. We'll have to look at it and find out. Also, Carlotta Ulansky, or Ulansky, is Nick's feminine side. He got the last name from an elderly woman he met at his sister Joni's apartment building. He dresses, or she dresses, in fuzzy, in Fuzzy's late grandmother's clothes. Nick later passes off as Carlotta. What I'm saying is very cryptic, and you'll have to see Youth and Revolt, I guess, to figure out what it's all about. The movie that features scenes from Ann Arbor also was filmed mostly in Royal Oak and Traverse City, but all in Michigan. That's coming out tomorrow with Ray Sarah and some other folks. Now, I also have some chicken news for the new year. A city official says that a suburban Grand Rapids family is not running afoul. I did not write this. This is from the Associated Press. Is not running afoul of regulations by keeping three chickens in their backyard. Officials in the suburban in the suburb of Wyoming, acting on a neighbor's complaint, ordered the Moderman family to get rid of Betty, Mabel, and Violet, the three chickens. But the plucky family oh, successfully asked the city to reconsider. James DeLang, Wyoming's chief building official, said yesterday that under the existing city code, the Moderman's chickens can stay if they don't pose a nuisance or a health hazard. DeLang says he'd rather avoid case-by-case reviews by reevaluating the ordinances and applying them consistently to all chicken keepers. That's from the AP based on an article in the Grand Rapids Press. Last year in Ypsilanti, an ordinance was passed allowing chickens in backyards. Ann Arbor passed a similar ordinance the year before. Chickens will be taking over this year, I believe. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and 
We're also going to talk about avocados. You know, actually, you know, I was going to mention first of all little donkeys. Why was I going to mention little donkeys? Because burritos translates as little donkeys, and at Pilar's on Liberty, burritos are going to be listed as little donkeys. That's the rumor I hear. You've heard it here first. Little donkeys, burritos, burritos, little donkeys, and avocados. Direct from Billy Berg's Burger Stand. It's a bit of chamber music, and I do mean inside plumbing. Featuring three drips and a gut bucket. <laughs> Namely, Professor Gaylord on the alto glute, an instrument first used by the English to call the cows from the pasture. The cows objected, so Professor Gaylord now has the exclusive use of the alto glute. Professor Brown plays a gazoon, which runs 20 bars to a gallon. And Professor Leo Watson is the exponent of the triple timpani. And now these artists will play for the first time their newest opus, the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony. <laughs> In this work... See, just a minute there. We have a little special opera. We would like to open our symphony, Opus 3, Sonata 5. <laughs> Buck dance rhythm, let your feet go now, boy. Buck dance rhythm, buck dance rhythm, buck dance rhythm, let your feet go now. Broadway. <laughs> 
Does everything. That's true. Slim Gaylord. Slim Gaylord. And that song is nine minutes long, so we're going to just groove to the first four minutes there. That is the, as you understand, I'm sure, the Avocado Seed Soup Symphony. That's just a part of part one. Well, I want to talk about avocados right now. Talk about comfort foods, foods that make you feel good. A friend of mine recently put a note on Facebook about a beautiful translation of avocados as the apple of the winter. If you're out there, Aaron, thank you. Aaron, also Holly, both of you, either one of you. In some South American countries, in fact, the avocado is called la manzana del invierno. This translates as the apple of the winter, and winter is where we are right now, so there you go. A few things about avocados I found very interesting. The oldest evidence of an avocado use, of the use of an avocado, was found in a cave in Puebla, Mexico. It dates to about 10,000 years B.C., now I found another source, freshplaza.com, which says that what was found in the cave were some fossilized remains of avocado cultivation and consumption, and that it dated from 8,000 to 7,000 B.C. But who's counting, right? Back to Wikipedia, though. The word avocado comes from the Aztec word, I'm going to say, ahuacatl, which translates as testicle, a reference to the shape of the fruit. This is not something I knew. Speaking of adult themes, the avocado is unusual in that the timing of the male and female flower phases differs among different kinds of avocados. This is all very profound. There are two flowering types, A and B. The A cultivar flowers open as female on the morning of the first day and closes in late morning or early afternoon. Then they open as male in the afternoon of the second day. B varieties open as female on the afternoon of the first day, close in late afternoon, and reopen as male the following morning. Did you know this about avocados? Did you know about the, did I, about the diversity there? I didn't know. Now, here's another beautiful thing to know about avocados. In 1526, Oviedo, the historian to the conquistadors, wrote the following description of the avocado and gave the first directions for eating it. In the center of the fruit is a seed like a peeled chestnut. And between this and the rind is the part which is eaten, which is abundant, and is a paste similar to butter and of very good taste. It's like butter. It's the avocado. It's 10 minutes to 7. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Coming up at 7, Arwolf is going to help us to face the music. But in the meanwhile, the music in our faces now is going to be by the one wonderful and lovely Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Yes, indeed. And any song with honey in the title is sweet enough for me, so we're going to Check this one out. Keep on loving me, honey. Keep on loving me true. Baby, I'm gonna love you no matter what you do. For so long I depended on nothing but you. So don't you take your love. Don't take it away from me. Cause I would step right where I stay. I'd just be the frame of a man. Don't you take your love. Don't take it away from me. Don't you go 
Keep on loving me, honey. That is Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. That's a great best of collection by them on Motown. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and honey is food, and that's why I played it. Now, this is something very interesting happening out of Louisiana, something happening after Katrina, a little bit of renewal going on there, and it has to do with food. Louisiana rice may rival Thai jasmine grain in the U.S., according to this article. Jasmine is the name of the strain. Not jasmine, but jasmine. Actually, it is it is jasmine called jasmine. J-A-Z-Z-M-A-N. Got that? Louisiana State University has developed a fragrant rice that is set to compete with the Thai jasmine variety, which accounts for $350 million in the U.S. every year. Jasmine is being sold in Louisiana under several labels. A partner in Jasmine, Andrew Wong, says the company expects to boost production from 500 tons last year to 63,000 tons by next year. That would equal about 18% of last year's imports from Thailand. Louisiana's rice industry has struggled to regain a footing after the 2005 and 2008 hurricane seasons. While the price for traditional rice has risen, jasmine rice can fetch a premium. Now, concerned about the growing competition, the Thai government has claimed that the rice developed by Louisiana State University was genetically engineered. But that's a charge that Stephen Linscomb of the LSU Ag Center's Rice Research Center says, you know, there's just some sentences you should read first before you try to rice research ration. Okay, basically, the Thai government claims it was genetically engineered, this jasmine rice. LSU says, no, it was not. Stephen Linscomb of the LSU Ag Center says jasmine was developed after 12 years of crossbreeding strains from China and Arkansas. The Thai government also said that tests this fall found the LSU rice less fragrant than its Thai counterpart, fragrance being one of the three important qualities in jasmine rice. The USA Rice Federation made the same observation in an informal taste test at a Hong Kong trade show in May, and Louisiana State University is working toward a more fragrant second generation of this jasmine rice. So it's on its way. It's happening. We'll have to see what happens. Will there be a great fight between jasmine and jasmine? And will jasmine play at the fight between jasmine and jasmine? I don't know. What, what can I say? This is Pandora's Lunchbox again. But, you know, speaking of rice that's named after jazz or some such thing, there's a crab species that looks like a strawberry. This is from the Associated Press out of Taipei, Taiwan. A marine biologist says he has discovered a new crab species off the coast of southern Taiwan that looks like a strawberry with small white bumps on its red shell. National Taiwan Ocean University professor Ho Ping Ho says the crab resembles the species living in the areas around Hawaii, Polynesia, and Mauritius, but it has a clam-shaped shell about one inch wide, making it distinct. Ho said Tuesday that his team found two female crabs of the new species last June off the coast of Kenting National Park, known for its rich marine life. And the sad news is the crabs died shortly after, possibly because the water in the area was polluted by a cargo ship that ran aground. Urgh. hate when that happens. So hopefully we'll be seeing more strawberry crab sometime soon. And last but not least, this is from the Associated Press out of Iowa City, Iowa. Bidding for two potatoes kicked off on eBay this week. One was found by an Iowa family and the other by a police detective in Ohio. Jim Gross of Marion, Iowa, says his wife was peeling the potato on New Year's Eve when she found a mysterious cross shape in the potato's eye. It's now on sale on eBay for $2. Now, that's, this is actually a few days ago, so it might have gone up. 
Detective Dennis Bort of the Berea, Ohio Police Department says he found a cross shape in his potato on Christmas Day. He's selling it for $1,000. All right, there you go. Now you know. Now you're informed and you're hungry. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. Just to recap a few things, it's Elvis's 75th birthday tomorrow, and he lives in Battle Creek. Also, Jefferson Market has a Guinness pancake with bacon this Sunday. Pilar's on West Liberty is starting its breakfast items on Monday morning. That's all you need to know. Coming up next, it's R. Wolf with Face the Music. I've been Mike. Thank you for letting me do that. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And as R. Wolf might say, please stand for our national anthem. This is Slim Gaylord and Chicken Rhythm. Hi, lads. This is Bob V. Discope telling you the things are Melarooney, Vout, and Oh, Dig It. And here is a man that can dig it without asking John L. Lewis. I mean Slim Gaylord, that mad savage boy. You're on, Slim. Pedro, my buddy.
Oh, okay. It's 7 o'clock. Straight up. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We are the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement, broadcasting from high atop the basement of the Student Activities Hotel, right near that glorious parking structure on Thompson Street in downtown Ann Arbor. Uh, this is experimental, experiential radio emanating from the University of Michigan, run by students at said university, licensed to regents at university, and infiltrated and heavily supported by regular working stiffs from the Ann Arbor community, also quite a number of University of Michigan staffers, lots of employees coming in here and helping to uh, fill out the educational reality of creative radio. This is Face the Music. We'd like to begin with... Um, well, actually, you're going to hear a melody that's uh, sort of chasing itself from one genre to the next. We'll begin with something by Johann Christoph Friedrich Bach. It's time for Face the Music, and it's snowing. 